Welcome to Bash University Live, everybody. Glad to have you with us. Uh, great show today. We're going to be talking with Matt Stefan about the his big win out on the Mississippi River that almost didn't happen. Did you see it? The locks got all jammed up, and uh, man, the, the entire top five, most of the top ten, were stuck on the other side of the lock, and uh, somehow uh, they got them through, and they made it in in the nick of time, but I just, uh, I can't imagine what that was like, and the the, the pit in your stomach as you're watching time trickle oh. away, knowing that you got the winning bag, <laughs> and you can't get in. Uh, just a horrible feeling, but it worked out. It worked. I can't wait to hear the story. He's going to tell us how he won the tournament, and how he got through that mental uh crisis and uh and to my left we've got a great friend of the show bash university instructor a lot of you guys know and brand new bpt <laughs> qualifier let's go let's go <laughs> great book yeah, yeah. Well, that's what the year was all about so i'm, yep. I'm excited i can't wait uh, last year i missed it by seven points i was right there oh. was right there so it was good to make it uh finally happen this year and mm -hmm. It, it'll be a good experience. I'm looking forward to it, man. That's uh, that's exciting. You know, yeah. uh, you caught you you fished at the top level for a long time. Things got switched around. Now you find yourself right back at the top where you should be. Yeah, no, it's kind of crazy how the whole situation was. Where qualified for the FLW tour, and they had some changes over the years, and yeah. then we're back to the point where we're trying to fight to get up there again. So yeah, it, it's good to make it happen. It feels it, it settles me down a lot, and I'm I'm looking forward to the next part of my fishing career, man. Yeah. It, yeah. When is that? Uh, I guess that gets started on the calendar year, right? It'll start off in January sometime. Yeah, January, February. We haven't got a schedule yet okay. for next year, but uh, mm -hmm. yeah, that'll be even more exciting once it become real. Once you know where you're going, yeah, for sure. That's exciting stuff, man. Well, I we'll be rooting uh, rooting you on and and cheering you the whole way. By the way, check out Gray's uh, seminars at Bass University too. That were important to me uh, just recently is using forward facing sonar. Um, did a nice seminar we, we filmed on Lake Ontario, as well as using the AquaView and forward-facing sonar to catch the big smallmouth, which I did successfully half of the time <laughs> <laughs> at Thousand Islands uh, recently. What a what what a challenging tournament that turned out to be, but uh, but it was you know it was awesome. I caught fish off of uh, forward-facing sonar. I caught them. What the uh, AquaView played such a big role in my fishing up there from the lessons that you taught me. And here's the deal. Like I had found some stuff at practice where the, they were on these points that were making current breaks. Um, and I was catching them that way. Mm -hmm. But what, what I did with the aqua view was I, I scanned between the points, like at the point, I mean, there's hundreds of yards between these places. Yeah. And I scanned and I, and what it was doing was it was showing me, that the that it was pulling these fish out that I didn't see. So those yeah, those fish were getting too tight to the bottom where you couldn't see them with your sonar. Yep. And that aqua view pulls it, them right out. That and they're so curious, they come over and swim and look right at it. Yep. How many fish did you have following it at one time? I had three or four at times, <laughs> you know. And it scares you at first. You're like, oh my god, there, there's one, <laughs> and then there's another one. It's like mm -hmm. they 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 team up on it, and uh, but that's what it was because the current has pushed for so many years on these rock faces and these these points and edges that they almost make a vertical or even un undercut portions mm -hmm. and the you can't see them with your standard sonar uh but that but you can see them with the camera and it pulls them out 
it really helped me catch a lot of, you know, I had almost 22 pounds on day two, which is decent. It's a solid, you know, it's a good bag up there, up there. And, uh, and I wouldn't have caught it without that. Yeah. Know? Now you, when you use that and your forward facing sonar together, mm-hmm. that in practice on the forward facing in the tournament, it really lets you put the whole picture together and really understand what you're fishing in that area. Yeah. Nate, we actually got an image of the fish at, uh, at St. Lawrence, when they, they wouldn't bite your stuff, they uh, they that, sent me this. That 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 is exactly what it was like. Uh, they were looking at me. They were mocking me. That I could see them on the sonar, and I couldn't make them bite. I could see them visually with my hobies, and I, I and they just yeah, they were giving me the should've high fin. In. I should have jumped in. Yeah, I should have done something. But uh, but it was great. It was great having a a, a wonderful second day. Anyway. And um, there's just so much going on. I want to give a uh, man. There's some shout outs to, that I want to give to Vegas. Ike and Ellie winning the, the nation, the New Jersey nation tournament up on Merrill Creek. And I want to give a shout out to Jake Gluzak, who, uh, who fished that tournament and took third place, uh, which he's fished two tournaments, well done. two tournaments this year. He's got a first and a third. So that's, that's pretty good stuff. Maybe we can show an image of, uh, of of Jake wearing all of his Bash University garb, uh, Rich, because yep. he 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 stole one of my jerseys. <laughs> Repping, <laughs> part of the team. Yes, he's part of the team. So we're uh, you know we're that congratulations to him, and of course congratulations to Gray. He's going to be uh, doing uh, doing his things next year. I know Riz, you had a big tournament. Um, you're you were chasing the points in the BFLs up at Champlain, but. The mother nature came and got you. Got me. Got me. Completely duped me. Um, so I've been, you know, I, I have, I don't know, I guess uh, about a dozen days total on Champlain. And uh, I've really started to focus and learn up around the Canadian border um, mm-hmm. on both sides, on, you know, the Rouse's Point area and the Missisquoi area. And uh, in practice for this one, I really, I, I had them going. Like I had a, I had a good thing going on. I was on the right fish, seeing them, getting plenty of bites doing it. And um, I was fishing, you know, so, so the, the times that I've gone up there, I, I go and I try to do the smallmouth thing and they laugh at me and I can't catch them and I, whatever. And then I just go largemouth fishing. It's like, oh, I know how to do this. And uh, mother nature, like you said, did a complete like five inches me. of rain just absolutely torched my my program i was i was i was flipping and pitching for the most part catching them on a few different types of you know vegetation and uh mother nature switched we uh we got you know a ton of rain on thursday and that flow didn't affect my water until saturday and uh when i got up to my starting area on saturday morning it was just as destroyed as destroyed gets you know, mud on Champlain. This is crazy to me to even imagine that it could be like this on Champlain, but mud to the point where you drop your bait in the water and you can't see your bait. That's, that's never on Champlain. I mean, I've ever seen that. Right. Well, ever. (laughs) And you know where I was fishing, you know, I I, I was fishing up, you know, up around the North end where there's some, you know, there's some creeks and some rivers that feed in. Mm -hmm. And, uh, those rivers, uh, in my practice period, you know, had not been affected by the push of the water yet. And, um, when I got up there Saturday morning, they had been just completely just gone. And, uh, and the wind also switched to, uh, a, it was probably 15 to 20 sustained out of the North. And, uh, you know how it gets on Champlain. That's, that's pretty, it's pretty gnarly. And, uh, so that, 
that wind was really, really negatively affecting my offshore bite in that same area. I basically couldn't fish my fish and um, scrambled, went smallmouth fishing, and uh, my co pretty much just waxed me from the back of the boat. And uh, yeah, that's how that's how it went down. So, so you were around them. I was around them when I made the when I yeah. made the adjustment. Mm. I was around them, and uh, my <laughs> it's crazy. You know, I'll give up his juice. I don't care. Um, <laughs> he was he was drop shotting a Kitech Easy Shiner. Okay. Go. And I was drop shotting with a, you know, just a regular drop shot worm, shad shaped worm. And uh, I think the water just had that little bit of color that it normally doesn't. Even on the smallmouth stuff, it had a little bit of color. And I think that action of that tail and combined with the, you know, he had a, a good brown, goby kind of colored looking one. And uh, yeah, I'm he, guessing he, you didn't have one of those in your boat. I did not. I, and, and, and he absolutely smoked them behind me. And after, you know, after he caught his, what seemed like his 15th, just giant wailing around back there, a couple things might've got broken on my boat. And at that point he decided, <laughs> Oh, I should offer him one. And, <laughs> you so mean, you mean you didn't ask like on I the first bite? You got it. Uh, I was, <laughs> you, were, you were still spinning. You were still spun <laughs> out and frustrated. Oh, Is that man. common? Is that common to ask? Can I? Hey, can I use? That? Uh, it, it's common to ask, and yeah. it's common that guys won't ask. You I've know? always like, offered. A lot of guys will get like weird about it. Like they get a, you know, too prideful. I, too prideful. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. Exactly. I, I don't. I I've don't, been there. That's beneath. I can't ask him for his bait. I'll figure. I mean, I I'll figure he, it out I, on my own. I knew you know, he was drop shotting, and I didn't. I did. Just the light bulb didn't go. It, it happened fast. I mean. It, when we got on that smallmouth there it it all went down in, in 90 minutes and uh you know mm -hmm. i didn't didn't pick up on it quick enough that he was doing something very different than what i was yeah there was a, there was a few things longer leader different different profile in the worm little heavier weight he had going on and uh it's it, for I me smallmouth yeah. enough to like for it to click for me it, uh, it, it, for me it doesn't matter whatever he's using is going to outperform whatever i'm using when it comes to smallmouth and co-anglers it's guaranteed you know yeah. like he'll have a different color and they just swim over to that one yeah. uh it's just when you when you're fishing for smallmouth they're all around the boat a lot of times as the boater you're 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 targeting something yeah and those bigger ones or random ones are anywhere, you know? I had that experience years ago up on, uh, we were fishing the St. Lawrence. I'd run up Lake Ontario. Yeah. Back when we just 2D sonar. I'm catching them off. I must have caught 40 fish this day. Had right around 19 pounds. My co-angler that day just dragging a Ned rig behind the boat. Five fish all day. He had three over five and a half. Oh, my God. <laughs> just, yeah. It, it's like it happened. Those big ones yeah. just got away from the main school. They weren't on the big boulder I was fishing out there. Yeah. And he, he caught some giants. And yeah. it, it, hap it happens to me more often than not that the co's, they, they'll get the – it happened to me on uh, St. Lawrence just yeah. on day one. My co, uh, his average fish were, were bigger. Yeah. And that's that's what's kind of led me to, like, try to fish more random right. when I'm fishing for small – like, I'll fish the boulder, but I'll also make some random cast or drift off of it to try to catch some of those bigger ones that, that, that aren't that tight. It's – it's common, Rich. You're all right. Yeah. It wasn't your fault. Nah, well, yeah, it was. It was <laughs> my fault. I didn't, I didn't adjust quick enough. That's, yeah. that's the bad. That's the bad university moment. There is that. You know, it's like I got locked into. I got locked into something. I thought that I was going to do really well on my largemouth program. It, you know, 
was just completely evaporated. And, uh, you know, I, I did make some adjustments throughout that period, put a couple fish in the boat, but they just weren't the right ones. And, you know, when I got on the smallmouth deal, I needed to stay more open-minded as far as baits, different colors, you know, options. And I was just keep fishing the same stuff I was fishing that wasn't working. So something's not working. You got to change. You got to make a, you got to make adjustments. You got to, well, you scrambled together some weight. You got yourself some points and you'll make the championship and, and you'll have a, you'll have a do over. And, uh, that's, that's part of it, man. That's learning. Yeah. And I was glad to see you out there battling it. And, uh, Justin, you were up and, and I want to give a big shout out to the cowboy, uh, Joey Fuentes. I think I got that right. Fuentes. I always stumbled there a little bit. I going to say the cowboy Justin. <laughs> <laughs> like, he's not a cowboy. <laughs> <laughs> he, he's a, he's a Philadelphia cowboy. That's the, uh, but, but, but Joey won. He won his second time. He's leading the ROI over there on the elites, and he's got a second win this year on St. Clair coming in with a 23-pound bag. But you were there meeting and greeting with all the people at the weigh-in, Justin. That's right. Yeah, it was a uh, good time. Uh, Sold some. Is your mic? Uh, I don't we know. Got, we got a mic for Justin. Justin be micless. Justin. <laughs> I got no mic. <laughs> well, I'll. We were glad to have you there. We saw so many people came up uh, to the Bash University booth, and that was awesome. And uh, we've got a bunch of new members in the Bash University program. Uh, we, we're glad to have you with us. I'll probably watch them today. And um, want to invite you to take advantage of some of the great content over at Bash University, one of which uh, just this week, uh, Jay, speaking of another uh, name that's fun and easy to say, Jay Shakurit. That's right. You got uh, it. I got it. Nailed it. I nailed it. The uh a lot of practice. But we <laughs> love Jay and um and we dropped his drop shot seminar uh just this past week. Did you study that? Did you watch it? If you haven't, go do it. If you're if you're weak in this technique, right? If it's something you're not confident in, like me, I think drop shotting is probably the thing I need to work on the most. So I really appreciate that uh seminar that he gave, but if you're really strong in the area, there are some tidbits there that are just off the charts. Um, one of which I, I just want to point out because he fishes a lot for smallmouth. He won on Lake Ontario uh, recently and he talks about the techniques. But one of the things he does is like talking about these random big smallmouth. Yep. His one of his cool techniques for getting them is he throws it to target. Right. And he'll wait just a few seconds. Like not he, like. If the fish is going to get it, he's going to come get it. He'll give it about 10 seconds, a few shakes, twitches, watch that fish go over, react. If it doesn't get the bait, he doesn't reel it in, but he reels it in about 10 or 15 feet and drops it again. He reels it in and drops it again, opens his bail. So he's trying to get that fish to chase and trigger, get another fish to trigger, or get one of those random giants that we were just talking about that's not tight on the habitat uh getting one of those guys to go so that's some pretty high level that stuff. Is, i like that yeah, yeah. you got to go check it out that was just released um on bash university tv as well as uh todd Auten uh talking about the fluke which yeah. is not uh talked about nearly enough it's used a lot uh it needs to be used a lot more it definitely does need to be used a lot more i i watched that one this week as well pete and uh to say my eyes are open on that bait is an understatement because it's it's one of those things that I've experienced those co-angler beatdowns on is I have guys throwing a fluke behind me 
catching them and it's they'll, they'll catch them in waters that you know that i wouldn't expect it to really play but mm. it seems to work and you know todd really breaks down everything from a to z on that fluke you know he he gives you the equation that you need to be successful with that tool in your hand and you know part of part of fishing and you know learning new techniques is knowing that you have the right rod the right reel the right right line size right hook to at least get you started down the road of uh of learning something new and uh todd does a really nice job breaking that down so uh, uh definitely go check elite out. angler todd Auten. he is uh he's a killer a little understated a little quiet a lot of you know doesn't make a big splash but man he is a killer on the water and is fished at the top level forever uh, we have Matt Steffen coming on, the winner of the Tackle Warehouse event on uh, the Mississippi River. Uh, but we are brought to you by Tackle Direct over here at Bash <laughs> University. And uh, we're, we're glad to be here. And we're also giving away some stuff. So pay attention. Our grand prize is coming. What's our grand prize today? Ruby Eyewear sunglasses. We're giving away a pair of sunglasses? They are. The, um, that's Sweet. They're the ones that Jeff loves the most. They have like the the flip for they're great for prescriptions. Awesome. Excellent. Well, we're giving away a pair of Hobies. Hobies. We used our Hobies, Jake and I, uh, in our tournament this weekend. Jake was using it because the water's clear and that Sightmaster Plus lens was I invaluable. Lens. I love it. I absolutely love it. I I, I wear the Sightmaster in the Everglades frame and it's just it's the best. It is the best. I was pointing out the bluegill as we were getting ready to take off, and Jake's like, I, I, I can't. What are you talking about, Dad? And I'm like, where? I looked at him. I'm like, get your glasses on. And he put his glasses on, and then he's like, oh, there's one, there's one, there's one. There's one. All of a sudden. Yeah, all of a sudden, the whole world opened up, you know? Uh, so we're, we're glad to have that. If you're watching on social, any of the social platforms, like and share the feed. We're going to be giving away a, a great prize, a custom waterwood crankbaits. Uh, amazing crankbaits, uh, extremely well built with shapes and actions that really, really catch them. They come a lot of these shapes come from the old school Carolina crankbait, Carolina crankbait kings, and uh, the craftsmen at Waterwood are building some amazing weapons. We're going to be giving those away. So like and share the feed right now. If you're not a subscriber, get it. This is the off season for a lot of people. Now's the time to learn. Now's the time to get after. Uh, whatever technique it is that's going to help your fishing be a little bit better. Uh, it's a great time to do it right now. We've got the blow-up bonanza. I keep wanting to say top water. It's the blow-up bonanza thing blow up bonanza. going on right now. And uh, that's uh, for annual subscribers at Bash oh, U. Yeah. And it's a dollar uh, for 30 days if you just want to try it out. But Blow-up really, bonanza, brother. It's going to help you. Guys, we're going to take a quick commercial break, and we're going to be right back with the champ, Matt Steffen, right after this. I'm Pete Gluzak, the Dean of the Bass University, and we're excited to partner with Waterwood Baits and showcase their innovative, handmade approach to making amazing lures. Hey guys, this is Elite Series Pro Todd Alton here. Just wanted to tell you a little bit about the company Waterwood and their crankbaits and topwaters they're building. They're high quality baits. They're made from a marupa wood that's, you know, grows in the rainforest in Brazil. It's 1.5 in all the water wood baits because of the wood will be a staple in my arsenal from here on out. I love it. Spotted bass. It's got the old water wood. What's going on? It's Riz here from the Bash University, and I am excited to welcome in 
Waterwood Custom Baits to the Bashu family. These are custom handmade baits in the South Rainforest of Brazil. They're made of Marupa Pedra wood. It's extremely dense, it's resistant, but it's also really buoyant. They're made of quality components with a 100% guarantee. They're made for tournament anglers to get it done when the money is on the line. Guys, that was like my second cast with this bait. That's a Waterwood custom bait. These things are handmade in the rainforest south of Brazil. And I mean, as you can see right here, it's a fish catching bait. It's got the front hook. That means they wanted it. This bait's, uh, it, it's running really true. It throws really well. Guys, check them out at waterwoodcustombaits.com. underwater viewing technology. Find what you are looking for. Catch more fish. Have more fun. Aquaview. Seeing is believing. Why do you love catching fish and rods? I'm truly losing less fish. Is the sensitivity of the rod. That they're made right here in North Carolina in the USA. Strongest, lightest rod. 100% made here in Sanford, North Carolina. From the drop shot rod to the flipping stick. Every rod has a purpose to it, and I rely on them all the time when I'm out there in a tournament. Durability in the John Cruz Worming Series, the counterbalancing in the handle. It's the only rod i found that can withstand my hooks that boom goes the dynamite. On the water, not spent fishing is a moment wasted. That's why Minkota and Humminbird joined forces to bring you the One Boat Network. Products that communicate and integrate to help you take full command of your boat. Born from our commitment to making the most advanced fishing gear even better by making it work together. The One Boat Network will help you find, get to, stay on, and catch more fish. When One Boat Network products talk to each other, they can navigate your boat automatically. They can give you a crystal clear view of what's below with no messy wires. And they can let you lower, raise, and change shallow water anchor modes from anywhere on the boat. But that's just the beginning. We're never done innovating, integrating, and making your boat simpler and easier to control. All so you can make every second on the water count. Love it, love it. Welcome back, everybody. Uh, we're going to have Matt Stefan on here uh, momentarily, and uh, we're going to be talking about his big win on the Mississippi River and uh, and all the crazy stories that went on with that. There is the man, uh, little Jake Gluzak, representing Bashu, looking good. Uh, caught that fish in his right hand off Mega Live. 
with a Nico rig. He's caught more fish off live than I have. <laughs> and I just got back from Champlain. <laughs> that come off sounding. The ch oh, ch check, check this out. He caught he caught that fish off off a Nico rig. The the smallmouth in his right hand. That's that uh, he just bombed it out in the middle of the lake because he was getting tired of fishing the bank. And he had a nice smallmouth come up and smash his spinner bait. So uh, congratulations to Jake and all the nation guys and Frank for putting that program together. And uh, look forward to, you know, participating in that stuff next year. So without any further ado, here we have the champ of the Mississippi River. Um, won a, a tournament that was challenging and had wrought with some controversy, really some some trouble uh at the lock and I look forward to hearing the stories but really glad to have him with us matt stefan the winner of the tackle warehouse mlf tour on the mississippi river how you doing matt good pete thanks for having me on that's great to have yeah. you uh you might know this guy to my left gray buck you guys uh swapped some bit, turf up there uh in all year this year i guess yeah gray uh gray is a phenomenal fisherman we've been battling it out how long you been on tour now? What, like five years, six oh, years? Seven. It's been since seventeen. Has it? It's crazy wow. how this time's flown by. You're getting old. I feel it. My <laughs> arm feels like it's gonna fall off some days, and <laughs> that's awesome. We were just talking about that, Matt, because we're uh, uh, navigating the St. Lawrence River and the punishment that your old, but my old body takes on that. I was surprised. Gray's worried about it too. Hey, he, you're still like a teenager, man. Oh, man, I'm in my 30s now. It Are you feel really? Like that. Yeah. Wow. Well, Matt was smart the year we were fishing. I, I don't think it was the title. It was the year before that. You stayed right near the ramp. You had 25 and nice. a bunch of other good bags. Had a shot at winning that one. Yeah, I should have I should have won that one. I, I dropped uh, at least one five-pounder a day over the course of those four days. I, I should have – had I – I realize everyone loses fish, but had I boated any one of those over those four days, I would have won that event. Wow. Well, that those big smallmouth, man, they're so hard to keep pinned consistently. Yeah, that's that's just, I mean, that's, if you're on the smallmouth to win a tournament, you're probably going to lose a, a bunch of fish just because you're catching that many, you're fighting big fish. And on a place like the St. Lawrence, you've got such strong current that it throws a whole nother element. But I'll, I'll tell you guys, I'm going to give a little plug to my wife. The whole key to feeling good after fishing tournaments is to go to a chiropractor. My wife is a, really? is a chiropractor. So when I get home, I get a, a full adjustment. And it it is definitely uh, helping my fishing career. I am going to take that advice. I'm going to be seeing a masseuse, a chiropractor, <laughs> uh, I don't know, a hip hypnotist, whatever it takes. <laughs> <laughs> We need all that for Watts Bar. <laughs> yeah, well, not Watts Bar. Yeah, Watts Bar is going to be all about mental, right? Because yeah. nobody's going to catch any fish, so it's all. So you'll yeah. need a therapist. Yeah, I'll need. A, I'll, I will need a therapist for for that one. But but it, I'm. Do you need a therapist? Oh my God! What you must having the winning stringer in your box and looking at those barges. I mean, I, are you, have you recovered from that yet? You know, it's. Uh, I will tell you this: that the last uh, several days is 
probably been the most emotional days I've ever had, like mentally and emotionally draining days I've ever had from anything related to the fishing industry. I, uh, you know, on day, on day three, I knew I had a decent bag, but I honestly, at no point during the fishing day felt like I had enough to win that event. Uh, mm. Steve Lopez was on huge schools of fish. He was catching them fast. I figured, and I knew because we were locking up the first two days and locking back together. I knew he caught his, I think he had 17 the first day, 16 the second day. He was catching them really fast. So I kind of thought he was going to lean on them heavier on day three. So I figured I would need at least 16 pounds to have a shot at it. And I knew I had, uh, my scales said I had 15.3. So I, I felt like I was going to be a little bit short. Uh, I didn't I didn't feel like I had an actual shot at winning that until I had made my way down to the lock, found out there was a barge in the lock that none of us knew was there. And then, you know, having some experience on the river, I recognized that it was not just a barge. It was a it was a double decker barge. So in order to get that through, they have to do two locking cycles and they were just tying up the first portion of the barge, which meant the tug had to go back down tie up to the next section oh. get it into the barge lock it up then they'd have to tie that up to the piece they brought up which is which is a two-hour cycle like generally one a single barge can get through in an hour and a double barge takes at least two hours so when i got to the lock it was about one o'clock we were doing at 2 30 and they were just starting the drop back down so in my head i'm going we're talking about another hour and a half and the, it progressed so slowly that I never like it got it got to the point where I I really didn't think there was any shot at all. I mean, in my head, I was sitting there thinking about like how uh, first, how am I going to handle it as an individual? Like when I idle back to the dock and everyone is there checked in and there's, you know, a bunch of us uh, laggards coming back from pool seven that should have had a shot at winning. Like, how am I? mentally going to handle that right and then the second part was how, how am i going to explain it to my family like you know <laughs> i had the tournament was only a couple hours from my house so i had a lot of family and friends there and it was like i okay i might be able to handle it myself but i'm gonna have so many other individuals that i feel like i'd have to owe an, an explanation to that it, it was really very very difficult and emotional on the water so i at about 115 uh steve lopez who was leading that event came to the lock i mean at this point now the boats are just kind of gathering around the lock because you knew there was actually another barge coming from upstream and we knew there was only going to be one opportunity if we got it so none of the anglers wanted to leave the lock because if we got a shot at locking through you had to be in it because if you weren't in that the other barge would get precedence. So Steve, Steve came up to me and he, he asked me, he said, what do you have? And I, uh, I told him my scale said 15, three. And at that point you could see him calculating in his head because he had a 12 ounce lead over me going into the final day, uh, that his weight wasn't going to be quite enough. So he, you know, he, he gave me, you know, gave me the information I needed to, make me realize I might have a shot at winning it. And then it was like, just those thoughts of I've done this. I've fished at this level for 13 years. I've had a lot of success, made a lot of championships, have a bunch of top tens. 
I've had my shots at wins and I just haven't capitalized. And in this case, I'm sitting there going, I did it, but I, I'm not going to get to do it. Oh, you know, like gosh. I've got the fish now and now it's not going to happen. So it, it, it's really it's been an emotional day. Right <laughs> yeah, it's, it was, it was brutal. I mean, if the, uh, the live, I talked to the, the uh, producers of the live show and they, they actually ended up staying on for an extra half hour because the, the drama was, was such uh, good TV. And it, it's one of those things when I talk to my wife and family and friends afterwards who was watching it, it's really a, an eye-opening experience for me as an angler because so often we feel like we're alone on the water. But to hear their stories and to have them be like, seeing the other side of things like you know the major league fishing announcers were talking about this barge is coming it's gonna you know it could create problems they had drones over the 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 uh, lock and dam to show what was going on and it, it just created this this big yeah. story so for me it was really something to get off and my wife's like you know to hear her side of things and to find out you know what as much as we feel like we're alone on the water our family and friends are rooting for us as hard on the other side so it it's just been it's been an amazing event to, to win it with with people that i love to have around me and to celebrate with me on the spot was uh was amazing uh, and and i feel and I for feel them it. because the anxiety must have been through the roof for i mean yeah. Now you just, it's almost like you did not want that information at the moment you got it. You're like, oh my gosh, I have a chance to win now where I didn't think so. So now the barge's pressure is even mounting greater. Uh, and I'm watching, like I, you know, I'm, I'm addicted to live. I watch all tournament trails that are live, mm -hmm. right? And I'm flipping because there's multiples going on and I'm now I'm locked in on this barge drama. You're like, locked in on the lock. I'm locked in on the lock. And I got I got to find out what's happening cuz I'm looking at my watch or the the time and I'm like like you said there's no way. It's not possible. They got to be back in by 2:30. Um but but some things happen and and take us through this because uh man I heard some things on live. They said cut the cameras. Like <laughs> I think you guys got processed through the lock faster than has ever been done in the history of that lock so yeah so first and foremost i'm just going to state i don't know what locking guidelines the lock masters have to follow right like i don't know what the actual process is but i can tell you they did a phenomenal job in getting us through it was uh the fastest lock cycle i've ever been on <laughs> uh, but they they actually did they did a great job with directing us so you know, I, I don't want people to think it was unsafe. It was not unsafe by any means. We did, we had the barge pulling out. The barge was, you know, far enough to the point where they were allowed to let us in. If there, you know, the, the only issue with respect to that is, and this happens almost in every lock cycle after a barge, you still have a lot of turbulent water from the barge's engines pushing and it gets caught in the barge, in the, in the lock area. So you do have some water movement that you need to deal with, but it was never it was never unsafe at any point but they did a they did a phenomenal job giving us instructions beforehand so as we were entering the lock the lock masters were telling us yelling at us what to do you know if we wanted to get through do this do this do this when we were in the lock you know they they had the doors shutting as we were you know all 
getting secured, which is generally they wait for you to, you know, make sure everyone is secured and then they give it some time and they got to walk over to another tower to hit some button to close the gates. These guys were running. They were literally running, you know, to, to awesome. get from one tower to the next control tower to get everything shut. As we're dropping, they're going from boat to boat saying, okay, guys, we're going to open these. When they're open, you can go at this time. Make sure you, you you go around the bulkhead on the left. As soon as you're past that, that is now where you can run. Versus, you know, technically, if you you know if you stay in the lock, you got to idle all the way to the end of the lock. But if you cut out towards the dam, they're they're you know that's not no wake zone. And they were they just did an excellent job. And we you know because it was a smaller field i think that's really what saved us i think coming back on day three instead of the 30 boats that had been going up in the morning and locking back in the afternoon i think there were seven boats so right. it, it, it it was a lot easier for us to pull yeah. in get in line the anglers did a job a great job with like directing you know there was a little bit of priority status so like you know steve lopez and i guys wanted us by the front because we had the shot at winning there was i mean we had an hour and a half to sit there and talk about what what would happen and how we would get into the locks if we got that opportunity and uh the anglers as well as the lock masters performed flawlessly to get us to get us through it was uh it was an emotional roller coaster i i, I have no other way to say it you know i when i when i got past the check-in boat we had about a 10 minute idle to the through the black river to the ramp. And I mean, my, my live camera guy was like, this is amazing TV. What's it going to be like if you get your first win? And I just look at him and I broke down. I mean, I couldn't talk. I was like to, to go through like just the idea of winning to not being able to win, to have a shot at winning, to not knowing if I actually was going to win. Right. Like it was, I just, I was, I was a wreck. I mean, uh, Mental agony. yes, this, yeah, this, this, this sport for all of for all of us that do this at a living and at the level that all of us do uh it's you know we this is this is our life this is a you know it's emotional to us so to to have these opportunities uh is amazing but then to throw all that extra drama in, it's like at the time i didn't want to go through any of that but looking back on it it's like i wouldn't i wouldn't have it any other way like this is such a great win for myself and the stories behind it are amazing the way it was supposed to go down yeah well you're in the you're in the lock right you're okay you're outside the lock there's no chance the barge is good you now you're in the lock and you're like man it's still going to take 20 minutes to get this lock yeah. processed so you're still thinking i'm going to be late at best right yeah at, we, one, so, at some point coming out of that lock you're like oh my god i'm actually going to make it so there were there were within the group of us that were going up there and keep in mind so I, I think of the seven of us that were up there i think we all finished in the top 10. so not only wow. you know are you talking about drastically changing the outcome of the tournament i i don't know this for sure but there may have been a change in angler of the year as well meaning you know i think ron nelson won it but i think he only won it by a few points over michael neal and had guys like myself been uh you not made it back we could have dropped far enough to move michael neal up to aoi so it really would have had some big impacts not just on who won the tournament but potentially aoi as well wow. but we Pretty so wild. there yeah. there were 
there were a lot of locals uh, up there with me. I mean, Tom Monsoor, uh, Nick Trim. Uh, I think there was one other guy. I'm not, I can't, I don't remember offhand, but they, you know, you're talking about guys as well as myself that fish the river a decent amount. So we've got, we know how long it takes to get through what a general, a normal lock cycle is. And as we're all sitting around talking, it, it became, uh, every, the, the consensus was if we got in at two Oh five, we would have a, a shot because it's a 15 to 20 minute through the lock cycle. And then you're talking about probably a five mile run to get to the check-in boat from there. So, you know, you're looking at, you need 25 minutes. So at we, we were idling into that lock right at two Oh five. So was, when he gave us the green light to enter the lock, all of us are like, we got a shot, but yeah. we don't know if we're going to do it. You know, it kind of depends on the, on the lock and the, the lock master did a great job. Yep. Uh, dumping us through and getting us out. I was thinking that, you know, of course, you know, I'm listening to JT and the boys talking about it, and I'm like, okay, they're going to get through, but it's going to be a race, right? Is it yeah. going to be – are they going to suffer two-minute penalty uh, or yeah. ten-minute penalty? You know, what's that going to look like? Yeah. How much time did you have when you checked in? Were you, like, 30 seconds? Were you a minute? No, it actually – we – I mean, they dumped us through that lock in about ten minutes. So, we okay. – I actually got back with, like – this is going to sound like we had a ton of time. It was like six minutes. Yeah. So it was just the bridge. <laughs> no, no, I, I didn't. But I'll tell you what, Steve Lopez pulled up and made a few casts. And I'm I like, bet he did. like, I'm checking in with the checking boat and I'm looking back. And I'm like, oh my God, he's going to catch one. <laughs> but, yeah. It, it was, it was such a crazy thing because, you know, we, none of us expected that barge to be there. So what, what happened the barge's name is Sheila K. Barger. I'll never forget this. Never Sheila forget K. That. Barger. So we had, uh, so we have all got apps on our phone that can track barge traffic. I'm going to say 95% of the big, like the bigger commercial type stuff is on that app. Occasionally you get something that's not. So in the morning on day three, we thought we were going to, we were going to get up there and be able to fish because the first two days we had lock, uh, we were locked out in the morning and in the afternoon we had to come back early because of barges. So we only had three hours to fish in pool seven. Day three, we're at the ramp looking at the apps. We're like, yeah, there's a barge coming, but we're going to beat it. Well, we had a fog delay that cost us that. So we ended up getting to the lock as Sheila K. Barger was entering the lock, which was the double, a double decker barge. So it took two hours for us to get through in the morning. So we were cut again to about three hours. So we're watching on the app and the Sheila K. Barger came out and it looked like it actually went to a holding pattern just on the top end of pool eight. So I didn't check my app again until probably like 11 o'clock. And I still see Sheila K. Barger parked right below the, the, the pool seven lock right in the top end of pool eight. So I saw when I started really checking the app a lot, I never saw that barge really moving from like noonish till when I got there, which was a little bit before noon. Well, what ended up happening, and I realized this when it came back through, is Sheila K. Barger in the morning went down, unloaded one of the six uh, containers because when she went down, they were all floating real low. When she came back up, one of the containers was floating. You could tell it was empty. It was 10 feet higher than the other ones. And it went down in the morning, unloaded, and then came back up. So by the time 
why was checking my app it was still sitting below the pool eight but it had gone down unloaded and now was coming back up to pool seven and that's what that's what happened we all knew on our app that sheila k barger was down on pool eight we just assumed it was going to go further down down the mississippi and in fact it did something probably right in lacrosse turned around came right back and caught us as it was coming back up so it was on the app i think we just we just didn't realize that it was the same one that caught us in the morning so i i've got it out for sheila sheila and yeah. i do not get along right now i know I, i'm sitting there thinking to myself are you mad at sheila or is, is Sheila your best girl i don't know <laughs> <laughs> well, and that, that's the thing too. You know, I, when you sit and analyze it from the backside. I think I'm yeah. mad at Sheila. Yeah, I would be too. I think <laughs> pulling that move going down just a maybe little bit. Maybe 45 minutes. Just, and, I'm sorry. And maybe, we, we lost oh, you there for a second, Matt. You froze up when we were. Sorry. We were I, I was not from Sheila over here. Yeah. I was saying maybe Sheila actually helped me because had, she not been locking back we probably could have gotten to fish for another 30 minutes maybe even a little bit more in pool seven in which case maybe steve would have caught a fish right. and, and upgraded right. and beat me you know it's just one of those things in hindsight maybe maybe i should give sheila a big kiss i don't know but in in <laughs> i'm just not happy with her because right now she caused <laughs> me a lot of stress <laughs> well that was that was an amazing uh amazing experience so full of drama that, uh, man, it just got to make that win even more sweet. But, you know, let's dive in a little bit Bass University uh, style. Man, this pool is amazing. In three hours, you won the tournament. I mean, the, the is pool, the, talk to me about pool seven. What makes that special and why were so many of the top ten up there? Yeah, well, I, I think if it, – I mean, this is, I don't have the hundred percent answer to this, but when I, when I break it down, the reason I think it was such a big player in this event is because we had extremely low water. This was the lowest I've ever fished the Mississippi river. Mm. And we had, uh, we had a crazy high spring. We had huge snow melt. So we had, uh, the month of April and early May was just extreme flooding, which actually caused a lot of big sandbars to be formed around some of the melts of some of the shoots that feed a lot of the backwaters but the low water that we had with those sandbars that were new on several of the pools blocked off flow to the backwaters completely for example if you went down to pool nine there was only one shoot in the whole minnesota slough area that had any water coming through it at all so there was a lot of stagnant backwater um but when you when so when you're looking at all three pools and I fished all three in practice, pool seven is it's all it's the highest of the three. So from that standpoint, it's not quite it has a little bit less of a uh, of a drought issue, I guess you could say. You know, the water's not quite as low as some of the bigger, longer pools. Meaning you go down to pool nine, it's thirty some miles long. There's a lot more fall at the top end of pool nine than there is on pool seven, where you're only talking about a ten mile long pool. Most of the pool as well is Lake on Alaska, which is a much wider area. It's just not as affected by the hmm. by the uh, falling water as much. But in my opinion, what ended up happening because there was such little flow coming through the backwater chutes, the two biggest players were going to be the main river channel, which had some current that, you know, if you were looking to fish current, the main river had the current. 
And then it was you're looking at the bottom ends of the pools where you had more lake-like fishing. And I think a lot of pool seven really came into play because a lot of those fish that generally are in those backwater chutes uh, that didn't go to the main river came back to the lake and they grouped up pretty good. So you, there were there were some good schools of fish to be found. And if you look at the guys in the top 10, all of us had groups of fish. Now, I'm not going to sit here and say I had a group where I could make one cast and catch my fish, but I had a stretch, a quarter mile stretch of grass that the fish were using. I just had to kind of pick one off here and there. And I was getting bit probably every 20 minutes, maybe every 30 minutes. But the quality of fish I was catching were, for the most part, three pounds or better. We're, that's amazing. So fast to be able to catch them was awesome, um, and you needed that. Were you in pool uh, seven? No, I stayed in pool eight. I was afraid of the whole locking situation with having yeah. the BPT yeah. on the line. Yeah. I wasn't. I wasn't yeah. not making it because of that. That was. I knew yeah. I was going to figure out eight, and I spent all three days of practice doing that. Yeah, that was smart because I heard uh, Sheila is a real. <laughs> She's a meanie. <laughs> I'll, I will, you know, I agree. I agree with Gray. My intention going there was not to fit. I didn't want to lock. I, I, my first day of practice, I spent in pool nine because pool nine has the, uh, with, especially with low water, you tend to find fish grouped up much better on pool nine. So, you know, like the old Mississippi River days on all three pools, you could pull into an area. If it had a school, you could catch a ton of fish out of, without ever moving the boat. Pool seven and pool eight are not that way anymore, but pool nine, you can still find those little honey holes where you can catch 30, 40 fish on 50 cast. And generally those aren't like winning fish, but those are like two to two and a half pound fish and going there similar to gray, you know, I was in fifth place in points. I went there with the idea that if I could catch 11 pounds a day, I was making BPT. And I spent the first day on nine thinking if I could, run some of the my history where i've got had schools of fish that could be the type of thing where i could run down lock through in the morning catch them real fast lock back up and fish pool eight i never found that on pool nine i will say i got on really good wing dam bite for smallmouth which several of the guys did actually do pretty well doing uh but there's not there wasn't enough of it for me to want to put my whole bpt chances on chasing smallmouth on the main river because they can be here today gone tomorrow like i didn't want to do that and i had no backup plan the second day of practice i spent on pool eight and it was terrible like terror that's my favorite pool is pool eight and it was terrible um there was so much traffic that place has had so many like national championship type events over the past month that those fish have just been beaten on uh and because day two was so bad on pool eight, I went up to pool seven on day three and I found I found one area that had some grass, you know, where I, I caught uh, two fish that were like two and a quarter to three pounds, shook off a bunch, you know, a bunch more being five or six. But again, it was the stretch I fished, but it wasn't like one spot. It was I fished a long stretch, shook them off. And the second half of the day, because I kind of liked the grass thing, the second half of the day, I was like, well, if I can find pool seven wing dam fish like i had in pool nine that gives me a couple of different options and i i had some wing dams in pool seven i felt like i could run to and catch some keepers so i i ended up going to pool seven which at the start of practice i never thought i was even going to fish wow well it worked out for every for everybody that went uh fortunately you were uh the bite was tough 
it looked like you were throwing a wacky uh, stick bait. Um, was it was that true through the whole week, or was that just on the final day? Yeah, no, I I caught thirteen of the fifteen weigh-in fish were on a five-inch Max scent, the Berkeley General. Okay, uh, and a, a couple of it didn't color didn't seem to matter that much. I went with green pumpkin when the sun was out and when the when it was darker conditions, I was throwing a black and blue or a purple. Uh, and then the other two fish I had were on a, uh, uh, big reaction innovations, Vixen topwater bait. I had, uh, we had this day two, we had some bad storms move through and I, I could not fish the grass effectively. So I jumped out to the main river channel and got on my wing dams and I ended up catching a three and a half pound smallmouth, And, nice. uh, I got a big, large mouth on it a little later on, What makes? but it was, big? yeah, it was. Pretty much straight wacky rig. I, I got to tell you, I mean, one of the things with respect to the pressure, and this this I kind of figured out on pool nine the first day of practice. I was in a backwater area that set up really similar to the, the area I fished on pool seven, where it was a bunch of eelgrass with a bunch of holes within the eelgrass that were probably the size of my boat. Gin clear water, like, you know, it was a, it was a really, it's been a productive area in the past for me, but I, I was throwing a swim jig going through these areas, not getting bit. But the first couple big holes I came to after throwing multiple casts with a swim jig through it, I'd see two or three bass swim off. Not giants, but like two pounders. And they they had no interest at all in that swim jig. The third hole I came to, I put the swim jig down, threw a wacky rig in there and got bit. The next hole did the same thing, got bit. So I, I had one little area in pool nine, I guess, where I did have a few largemouth, but they were not big largemouth. And but that that clued me into maybe these fish are so pressured they're not really chasing that well. I need to slow down. On on pool eight, the few bites I had were actually on the wacky rig in the Stoddard area. There's some good kind of grass lines in that area, but it, it wasn't enough bites to excite me. And then when I got up the pool uh, pool seven, I was feeling good with the wacky rig, which is not something I generally do on the river. Like generally, you're more power fishing out there. But I do feel like that was a huge key for me is that slowing down those fish just were not super aggressive. Yeah, the uh, I'm reading a, a comment. There were you, you mentioned it, but there was 448 boats in uh, I guess one of the high school championships yeah. on that on that system just before you got there. Uh, you had a question yeah, the, about the Vixen, Rich. Yeah, I was wondering what makes the Vixen such a unique and effective topwater bait. Do you think? Yeah, I, I think it's got a different sound to it. So the one I was throwing is one of the old school ones. Uh, I still really like the new ones as well. Uh, but there's, there is a hardcore following. Gray, you go back to the Mississippi, take notes here. There is a hardcore following of uh, local guys that love to throw the pearl colored, um, uh, not pearl, the uh, bone colored vixen out on out on the river it just seems like that is the color that that's the deal i don't know what it is specifically other than it's got a it, it does have a unique sound to it and it seems to draw in my opinion it draws the fish up from a little deeper water and when you're talking river fishing you've got more off-colored water you've got more current you really got to let the fish know that that bait's coming because they've got a much smaller strike zone and uh there's something about that vixen it draws them up it really really gets them fired up Tell me now. We're using generals. Um, you're dealing with current. You're dealing with grass. 
what what's your hook? Are you waiting your bait? Is it weightless? Uh, what what kind of line are you are you braid to a leader? I'm assuming. Take us through yeah. your whole setup. So I uh, the 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 grass that I was fishing was not currented itself. The outside edge had current flow on it, and I did catch some fish on the outside edge. But a lot of the fish were in little indents in the eelgrass or little holes, maybe 10 feet inside of the, the grass line. Uh, but presentation was huge. So I did I did use uh, just a uh, finesse wide gap hook is the, the hook that I chose. It was a size one, so it was pretty small. And I had a lot of people ask me why I wasn't throwing a bigger hook. And the reality was I could fish it through the grass cleaner with a smaller hook. Uh, now, you know, keep in mind, there's it's there's so much eelgrass that if if I had a bigger hook, the, the eelgrass would ball up more within the hook, the gap of the hook. So when I go to snap it and it was really crisp eelgrass, if, the, if it had five or six strands, I couldn't clear the bait and continue to fish it with that smaller hook. I'd get maybe one, maybe two strands of eelgrass and I could snap the rod quick and it would bust free so I could continue to fish it. So the small hook was key. Um, the other key was presentation. So because I was fishing really specific casts, we did have some instances where we had some pretty good wind. So I had to position my boat to keep the cast in front of me to keep the bow from happening in my line. Because if I had a bow, the, the bait was getting pulled into the eelgrass and not not being able to be presented to the fish properly. So I had to position my boat on several days specifically to allow me to fish pretty much straight in front of the boat. Uh, I did I did add on day two when we had the storms and the wind, I did add uh, a 130 second ounce nail weight to not to the ends, but to right you know where the hook gap was just to get it to fall just a little bit more. Okay. The other the other thing that I did do too a little bit was I would position the hook. I didn't want to add weight because I wasn't getting bit as good with the weight. It seemed like they really wanted a slow fall. Uh, but I also would position my hook slightly above the midpoint of the worm, which would add a little bit of weight to the front, which would get it to fall a little bit faster, just a, just a hair faster. So I do think that that mattered. And then the last thing was kind of figuring out each day was a little different. Like the first day they would bite it like at the very bottom of the fall day two, they almost wanted it dead sticked in place. And day three, they wanted it to hit the bottom. And then I'd have to like work it, give it a couple of rod pops and then they'd hit it. So each day it took me a little while to figure out how they wanted it, but it definitely was different all three days. No uh, forward facing sonar playing a role in this. I caught, I did catch two fish uh, using the forward-facing sonar. One the first two days, I was I was looking around. Um, you know, if I got to, there were a few areas where you'd get a little bit of a clearing, and you could scan around a little bit. Uh, I had one day where I was reeling my bait through the clearing, and I, you know, I'm scanning around looking, and I saw a fish follow my bait. At which point, I flipped it right back out there and caught that fish, and then I had one where I could see him swimming around. There was an isolate, there was an opening that was probably 30 feet wide and there was one clump right in the middle and I scanned it and you could see him swimming around that. And I did catch that fish, but it, it, it was not a, uh, not a huge player for me. I got a question, uh, from team no fish on our IM board. And I and it seems like you might've made the decision to try to win this event right out of the gate by going to pool seven, but, <laughs> 
was there, was there, you know, at any point did you have to make that choice? Like if I'm going to win this tournament, if I'm going to make the BPT, I've got to go for it. Was that right out of the gate or did something happen during the tournament, which caused you to get up to pool seven? No, my, my practice was so bad and you know, Greg can <laughs> probably attest to this. We talked at the registration meeting and I was a wreck. Like I, I, I was not happy at all with my practice. Um, my my thought process going up to pool seven and trying to play safe with the with the locks was I was going to go up, catch a limit. You know, hopefully that limit would be 10 to 12 pounds and probably lock back down. What happened was that spot was a lot better than I thought. I didn't catch that many more fish, but I with my first five fish, I had 14 pounds and then the only reason I didn't lock yet is it was like 1130 and there were no barges coming. So I'm like, I can fish till at least noon. And, and I went like 20 minutes later, I had one small fish with, within that batch, like a two, two or something. And my next bite was a three, two or a three and a half or something. It, it called me up to the weight that I had. And, you know, at, at noon, I'm sitting there with 16 and a half pounds on the Mississippi River. That time of year is a really good bag. So I'm like, there is no reason for me to fish. But it did make me think as I'm coming, you know, I'm driving back to the lock, locking through going, I might, I might have a shot here because I made one quick pass, caught 16 and a half pounds, did it in a couple hours. I think I, I think I might really be able to do it. So at that point, that's where mindset changed. But my, my true goal for that event was to make sure I didn't do anything stupid like I've been known to do in the past that would potentially cost me a BPT invite. Uh, understood. I, and uh, great question, Team No Fish. Josh and uh, Jadalon, I guess that's how you say that. Um, I I, I want to ask his question because I'm clearly, after this event, you're suffering with PTSD. Uh <laughs> We, 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 there's gotta, there, there's gotta be right. Post-traumatic stress syndrome. Uh, you work with a sports psychologist. Uh, has he mapped out the rest of the year to try to save you <laughs> and help you recover from this? Dude, I, I am, I, I feel like I have a huge weight taken off my shoulder. Like I feel so, uh, I I'm just in a happy place at this point. You know, my career, uh, it's been full up ups and downs, but right now as a whole, like, I feel like I'm in such a good place. I got the, I got the win that I feel like justifies my entire career. Yeah. Uh, you know, I finished third. I actually had a shot at AOI. I was leading AOI after the first day, which really surprised me. Uh, so to, to kind of, to win the event, I feel like I didn't let that slip. I feel like you know ron nelson and michael neal were they had good second days so they were able to reclaim a bunch of points but i qualified for bpt so i'm excited to kind of see what that has to offer i really don't i really don't know what that even means at this point yet right <laughs> like i i don't know if that means people are going to throw crap at me or if that just means <laughs> i'm going to be fishing different tournaments but in either case i know that it's going to be better for my personal brand I've got a YouTube channel that continues to grow and, and has done really well. I've got uh, I've started a tackle company, Core Tackle, that's doing extremely well. So for me and my personal brand, like I am in such a good, happy place with respect to the fishing industry. And like, honestly, I like a couple of years ago, I didn't I didn't have that. Right. Like I didn't I felt like 
and I do still feel like tournament fishing is on a downhill slide. Like I, from a, from a career standpoint, I don't think it's that easy to make a full-time living just through tournaments. Mm. But I do feel like for me right now, I've got a lot of different things going on and I wouldn't change any of it. Man, that's a great spot. The yeah. two of you sitting in, <laughs> sitting in the catbird seat, you know, you guys going to room together next year. I don't know. You got somebody. <laughs> I don't, Gray. I, I could definitely see it happening. I yeah. don't even know. I got to look at like the rosters and everything. But yeah, if you're looking for something, I'm all about renting houses. Yeah, me too. That'd be perfect. We'll have to figure that out. Well, yeah, man. Awesome. Look at that. Pete Can hooking us up. Connections Match being made <laughs> at Bass <New> TV. <laughs> uh, that'll be great because then you guys will have to come on the show as roommates somewhere out on the road. Yeah. You know? Well, man, what what a great spot to be! Congratulations again on an amazing win, and uh, and you know tolerating Sheila and everything that you had to do to get this dub, and 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 the vindication, as you said, you were quoted uh, uh, that you know getting that W, getting it right before you made it into the BPT tour. Uh, uh, what a deal! Congratulations, man, and Thank we you. wish you all the best. And th thanks so much for coming on the show. No, man. Thanks for having me on. I'm, uh, this is, this is another thing I can just check off my list. So I appreciate <laughs> you guys having me on. Awesome. Awesome. We'll be, we'll be following you and, uh, and thanks again for, uh, for coming on. What, what a, what a great thanks, win. Man. Thanks, thanks Matt. Matt. Oh man. What a deal. What a, what a monster emotional roller coaster ride. I'm telling you right now, I'd be, I'd, I'd be pacing in the boat. Oh, I'd be rocking. God. I'd what, not know what to what do. What would happen if all of them got stuck there, though? They, would they... they all would lose their weight or lose a portion of the weight, depending on how late they there's, got there's in. There's no, like... No, no excuses. It's the risk. What? It's the risk you take by going through that lock. <laughs> yeah. And, and people have paid that price many, many times over the years where the same thing happened and they didn't get back and they, they yeah. had to sit there with their fish yeah. and just let them go, <laughs> just let them go. And, Horrible. And it would have changed yeah, exactly. everything. Oh, uh, imagine that feeling like, would he have failed to qualify for the BPT? No, he, he was in a good spot. He, he still would have made yeah, it. Yeah. Cause I was coming into it in sixth, and I think he was in fifth, okay. but he had like a 50 point lead on me. Yeah. And from there to like ninth where the last, or eighth was the last guy to get in. It was like a hundred points. So top fifty, he had it wrapped up. He was more than good. But to win something like that, yeah, that's grand, that, you know? that, yeah, that's yeah. that's a life changing deal right there to get that trophy and yeah. have yeah. that on your resume. And yep. like you said, that momentum now he'll have that much more going into the BPT next yeah. year. But we, there, there was what seven of the top ten yeah, would have been gone, right? So there were they had a there would be a new winner. There would be new top finishers, but like I said, it could have gone so many different ways because what and uh, JT and the guys covering this were they did a great job because I was you know I was glued to it because you're going through all the math like okay if they get through the lock and they're two minutes late they get a two pound penalty right. each if they're five minutes <laughs> late it's a five pound penalty so you're looking at their weights you're looking at the scores you're trying to do the math or because the the lock, you know, technically takes longer than that. They, you know, you would expect them to be late. Oh, wow. And if they're over 15 minutes late, they lose everything. So you lose, you can't get any weight after that. So uh, there was a lot of ramifications from That's that. That's insane. But, yeah. There's no like. It, Oopsie. It, yeah. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> <the next> one. <laughs> yep. 
it wasn't your fault. It was it was Sheila's fault. Was so Sheila. we're gonna we're gonna let you guys come and weigh in. Same thing, uh, Jocelyn. It's interesting because the same thing happened like uh, on Lake Champlain where Rich just fished. The wind can blow. I was late. I I actually failed to weigh in at Lake Champlain. It's the only time ever because I was up on the Canadian border and it was slick as this table. <laughs> so calm, not a breath of wind, and five miles. I, and when it's like that, it's about 20, 25 minutes yeah, to, get back, to get back in when it's flat. It's rare. I've seen it, and I'm timed it. I know what it takes. So, um, And I didn't have the fish, so I, I wanted to push it. I needed another bite. And I started my, my run back in. Five miles in, whew, I get hit with a breeze. <laughs> Ten miles into the ride, it almost knocks my boat sideways, and the entire lake is now five-footers with white caps. Oh. And... Forget and, about it. And I'm like, and I have no I'm extra like, time. <laughs> so I start pounding these waves and I start skipping them. And I'm like, man, I if I skipped them all, I'd break everything in the boat myself. I might make it. And then they got even bigger. And then I just said, uh, for the first time in my career, I'm not weighing my fish. And and I was late and I, I had to dump my fish. Gosh, so, that's horrible. Yep. You but, would think too that I, that like they would schedule the Sheila's not to come. Well, that's the, you bring up another good point. It is yeah. the priority, right? The purposes yep. of the locks are for the commercial traffic. That's why they were built and they take priority over everything. Uh, they allow pleasure boaters and tournaments, which are in that category mm -hmm. to use the locks, oh. but the commercial traffic takes priority every time. Um, I'm not to say that, you know, people have negotiated with the barge guys and, you know, I've heard stories of, uh, going up to the, uh, the, the captains of the tugboats and, you know, slip, Hey, I got a hundred dollar bill here. You know, if you just chill for a little while and, and let us go through, you know, and yeah, I've heard stories of that working and, uh, you know, I don't know if it's legal or it's not legal, but, uh, but yeah, the, the other thing was, and is, you know, we talked about the safety of it and uh, that lot. He 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 got those guys through that lock probably faster than ever. And and um, I think there's probably a protocol on how fast you can let water in and water out so that the safety protocols are met. And uh, I think they push things as fast as they could to try to help those guys. If I was in the lock, I'd I'd have told the lock master, open that sucker up, man. Yeah, I got my jacket on. I got level flotation in the basket. Good yeah. to go, buddy. Just I let it roll. Live, I can swim. Like, <laughs> I can do it. Yep. He pulls out his 40. <laughs> Ready. Ready. Let's go, man. Whitewater rafting. Yeah. Oh, man. What a great story. And uh, uh, guys, I hope you paid attention because we're going to be asking a question giving away a great pair of Hobie sunglasses. Uh, and if you're watching over on social, it's your last chance to like and share the feed. We're going to take a quick commercial break, and we'll be right back giving away some stuff. Cortland Line Master Braid, America's premium super braided fishing line. Manufactured in our Cortland, New York facility and constructed from the highest quality spectra fibers available. Portland Line Company, made in America since 1915. Why, hi. 
have to have the best eyewear. My eyes are essential to doing my job. It's the highest quality lens that I've ever used. Top of the line performance in these glasses. But they're priced for absolutely everyone. The everyday angler can afford them. As a touring professional pro, if I can depend on them, I know the weekend angler can as well. Hobie Eyewear, built for the pros. Price for everyone. I'm Pete Kluzek, the Dean of the Bass University, and we're excited to partner with Waterwood Baits and showcase their innovative, handmade approach to making amazing lures. Hey guys, this is Elite Series Pro, Todd Alton here. Just wanted to tell you a little bit about the company Waterwood and their crankbaits and topwaters they're building. They're high quality baits. They're made from a marupa wood that's, you know, grows in the rainforest in Brazil. It's 1.5 in all of the waterwood baits because of the wood will be a staple in my arsenal from here on out. I love it. Spotted bass. Got the old waterwood. And we're back. Mahalo. <laughs> mahalo. What does what was the word I made up last that time? That was mahalo. Oh, mahalo. That was your That's word. That's my word. Yeah. Mahalo. Mahalo. I thought that was the the OG word. Omaha. Yeah. <laughs> welcome welcome back. Um, great having Matt on talking about that stuff. Uh, and he qualified for the BPT tour. As did you, Gray. Uh, amazing accomplishments. Going to be a big year. But I we were talking about the Aquaview. I'm using it. I use it at a thousand islands and how it pulled the fish out for me and helped me catch some fish I wouldn't have caught otherwise. You're using it a lot. Yeah, no, I really do. I take full advantage of that. If you have any water that you got three foot of visibility in, you could take that out there and drop it into a brush pile, a rock yeah. pile, whatever it is. Earlier this year, I was fishing down at Clark's Hill and we had a lot of pre-spawners mm -hmm. and they were setting up in that brush at 15 foot. And I would use my active target looking on my forward facing center. I could see those fish in there and they're just being funky a couple of the days in practice. So I took my little micro revolution here. It's got that spool on there. makes it super easy to wind in and out. You can keep it anywhere in your boat and yep. drop this right down in there. And I could see there were spotted bass and they were good ones. And it was just kind of one of those things that helped put me over the edge there that I knew if my shallow deal wasn't working, catching those big pre-spawn largemouth, I could drop back and that those uh, spotted bass were in there and it just it took you, a little more time to get the bite was what the deal was right but, but, I gave, but that gave you the confidence that these were spots they weren't drum yeah you know they weren't carp yep and no that and that's what this does more than anything it gives you confidence whether it's in knowing it's a fish or if yeah. i side scan something and i look at it i'm like yeah that looks kind of funky i put a waypoint on it i'll go drop this on there and just tell is it a stump was it a boulder right it just teaches you a lot about what's on the bottom and that's more valuable than anything as far as I, i'm concerned i think you're right i use it a lot with jake because jake's you know kind of getting you know in into tournament fishing getting a little bit more into fishing but teaching them what things look like on my hummingbirds like i'm showing them that's grass you know that's stumps but he loves staring at the aqua view for that exact reason because now you can legitimately see okay well here's what a stump looks like on my you know forward facing here's what it you know here's what it looks like with the aqua view you can confirm that that's a stump here's what it looks like so next time you run yeah. into that you know you're dealing with stumps absolutely and this builds the whole picture mm -hmm. really it really does take it to that next level i think you guys got to use it i'm worried that they might dq it you know <laughs> what i mean i we've heard uh we've heard some controversy uh you know about them 
you know, I, and I can't imagine that would ever happen, but, uh, you know, they want to DQ forward facing sonar. They want to take that out of tournaments. They want to, they want to take the aqua view out, but it's, it's a tremendous learning tool. Never going to happen. Never going to happen. Yeah. No, no it, I mean, it's it, like in it's like in NASCAR, like you know, and I've heard this analogy before. Like twenty years ago, they guys were running NASCAR races without like neck protection, seat belts, <laughs> and they were smoking <laughs> cigarettes while they're driving. <laughs> technology brought us forward, and technology is bringing us forward in fishing. That's awesome. So, same no concept. No seatbelts. You know the comparison. Like, <laughs> smoking cig, like yeah. you know, running around Daytona five hundred, like. You know, but now things have changed, and I just—that's so funny. I just saw a, a, on Joe Rogan they had a, a marathoner, an old marathoner guy that's a chain smoker. <laughs> that's great. <laughs> he's right. people are taking water breaks. He's taking smoke breaks, running a marathon in three hours. You know? probably won't be winning the battle. <laughs> We're off the rails. Oh, uh, we're off the rails. So we're we're not getting rid of the Aqua View, but uh, so it's been a big year, right? Long season mm -hmm. came down to the Mississippi, which you you did well and and made it. What uh, take me through like one of the highlights of the year for you? Yeah, no, the season it kicked off and it was a strong start. I pulled into my first spot, Lake Okeechobee, and I had eighteen pounds in the first hour. Wow! So when that happened, that's sort where of yeah. stuff. It, you just, it's no, it's going it's to be going set your up. Way. Yeah, no, I pulled in there and I took a, it was a Z-Man diesel minnow. It's a five inch swim bait. Okay. I start rolling this through these dead cattails and they were spawning on them. There were pre-spawners in there and I was fishing this one little section. David Walker was just up from me and he was leading after day one. So yeah. like we just found this group of them that were just big ones. They were all set up. So like that was one of the highlights to get the year started. Yeah. And each tournament I had, there was just like a key moment in it. and that was what put me over the top. So uh, Clark's Hill was the second tournament. And this one was kind of a funny way to think about it. But on a wacky rig, I skipped it up next to these willow trees. And I was actually looking at this one little buck on a bed. I reeled down, I set the hook, and I had like, it was like a seven pounder. It was a Holy giant. smokes. And I didn't catch this fish. It actually, it started peeling my drag off. It swam through every willow tree that was in there. I opened my bail. <laughs> I'm trying to get this thing. But it keyed me into that shallow deal was really going on. Mm -hmm. So then the next two days, I ended up catching a couple fours up in these shallow willows. And I was paying a little more attention. I was yeah. getting a little more uh, beef behind them, you know, yanking them away from that stuff. But right. it just that one, um, where do we go next? You uh, follow out in Oklahoma. I found one little key backwater. I was sharing it with Cody Spets. He, both of us were crushing him that week. He ended up top 10. And I think I came in like 13th. And solid it, it, it's amazing it's just like how little things that you pick up on throughout the year really help put you over the top um as e-man jackhammer everybody throws a jackhammer at this point but this bait every tournament i was weighing fish on it i believe except for clark's hill that was the only one that it didn't play a huge role um okeechobee i crushed them on this bait besides that diesel minnow when i was fishing a little more open water mm -hmm. um we were just at the Mississippi River. You got broke off by a giant at Okeechobee, didn't you? Yeah. Was that we, on a jackhammer? It was. Sorry that, to bring that, that up. I just that, that. That was one of my tougher tournaments this year. And I, and I it could have been my best one of the year with what I had hooked. Yeah. It hit me right next to the boat. And I ran to the back of the boat trying to hit the button or do anything right. with this thing. And another one, it was, it was well over seven. And 
ended up busting me off. I had a 20 pound fluorocarbon. Like, it just doesn't happen. It, that was the right? first event it, of the year, right? It was. It was on day two of the tournament. And um, that day, I actually struggled a little bit. I only ended up catching six fish that day. And I didn't catch my last keeper until the very end. But that one there would have jumped me up probably another, I bet, five pounds, maybe yeah. more. So but, as, but as it turned out, you didn't need it. No, know? no. And I mean, and that's what a lot of people feel like. I hear everything's got to go perfect. And, and the tournament game never goes perfect, no. you know. Even we, great years like this, you got to overcome the obstacle. And we always remember the bad parts more than the we good did. ones. Even though, like the season was awesome, I had yeah. I think three top twenties, four top twenties, and wow, it, it, it was just like everything was great. But um, that Z-Man, that Razor Shad on there, this trailer, I it's so underrated. It fishes a lot like um, some, the Yamamoto one, Lake Fork makes one like it. But being a Lastec. If I go through two of these in a day, it's because I absolutely murdered the fish. Right. It, you can't rip it off the uh, little perch or snapping it. Everyone's <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just, it's got that tight wiggle. It's, it, it skips well. It's my favorite setup. Um, That color there of it is called Hot Snake. So it's a great bluegill imitator as well. Yeah. Um, it's got a little bit of that yellow perch color that we got up north. And yeah. What should, is this? What color skirt is this? Just green pumpkin. That's just green. That's a straight, straight. standard green pumpkin. And this is a three eighths. That's a three eighths. So at the end of the year, I was throwing a three eighths at the Potomac and the Mississippi River. Okay. I was fishing some of that thicker grass. Right. The half I was just fighting it too much, and I felt like I was more bullying it through. This yes, stuff. exactly. Yeah. So this you could kind of feather it through there. Mm -hmm. Um, the right. first day of the Mississippi River, I pulled into this little eel grove pocket. And they were chasing these little shad. And there was, I wasn't throwing that color at the time. I was throwing a green shad, it's called. It's kind of um, a shaddy color. It's got some chartreuse on the bottom. And they were pushing this bait into this corner. In 15 minutes, I had 14 pounds off of it. Like, it was just every cast. It, I'm working on the YouTube video. I didn't realize it happened as fast as it actually did in real time. Yeah. It was awesome. It was fun to do. Um, and this is actually the exact bait I caught the last one of the year um yeah it was a four pounder i, I want to hear that story again yeah so it's like one of those things where like ah, it doesn't make sense but something's telling me yeah no so same thing mississippi river day three i fished this one little eelgrass cove caught all my fish day one day two out of it day three i had four fish and i finally i was sick at looking at this pocket i sat there for hours at this point and mm -hmm. i made a move went to an area i'd caught a two and a half in practice and same thing i was throwing that green challenge i had this rigged up buried in my basket just down in my box and i pull in there i'm like i should throw that like there was just something like a feeling like i got and i fished for about two minutes and i'm working this bait down this eelgrass edge there's a bunch of current coming through this part of the uh flat and i hooked this fish and it it wasn't like anything else i had hooked in practice it was way bigger in the tournament i think i had a three and a half was my big one and i'm like just please don't be a giant pike that, right. that place is known for him yeah and it comes up and it's a four pound large mouth I get it in. I flip it into the boat, and at that point, I knew I flipped it. I both flipped it. Oh, it <laughs> go, if you go watch my, my Instagram page, I you, I put it up there. I kind of freaked out, which I hardly ever like mm -hmm. go up. But I knew that was the one that was going to put me in the Bass Pro Tour. Yep. It was my fifth keeper. It was a four pounder. Put me over that twelve pound mark that I knew I had to hit, and it was awesome. It really yeah. was like it. It's what you what would, a sweet way to end. It is. It really was. Well, that played a big role, and, uh, man, you've accomplished a lot. It's going to be a big year this year. It's going to be a lot of fun. 
Uh, you're going to be doing the the catch, weigh, and release. Yeah. Uh, have you done any of that before? So I fished two of them like that. In 2020, I came in third place in Angler of the Year for the, uh, at the time, the MLF Pro Circuit. So mm -hmm. we got to fish the first uh, Bass Pro Tour event of the year. Right. And it was on Rayburn. So I got a little bit of experience, and that one did not go great. Yeah. Um, I, I just wasn't really on them. I also fished one of those when we were at Sturgeon Bay for a title championship. And that one went like, I came in seventh. I had caught in uh, the second or third morning, yep. five on my first five drops. It was smallmouth fishing. They were schooled up. It was, so yeah. I got to experience both ends of that. Yeah. But it's a whole different uh, deal when you know what everybody else has throughout the day. That's the part that's hardest for me. It messes with your head. Oh, my God, yeah. So that's going to be a learning curve, I think, to that point. But it's still fishing. Yeah. I'm still going to throw my jackhammer probably 90% of the time like I do already. So As you should. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You and Stephen Browning. Yeah. The, uh, yeah, that, that knowing what everybody else has, I think, was even more pressure when every fish counted. Now that it's five fish, I think it would relax me a little more mm -hmm. because, you know, I, I know that maybe I think I'm going to be able to get those bigger bites in the afternoon. So don't panic yet. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mentally, I think I'll be able to stay in it longer, you know? No, because, yeah, the, every fish counts that. They if start, you get in a hole, you're done. 20 pounds starts getting away from you so fast, you know? Mm -hmm. But a 20-pound bag, if somebody gets it early in the morning, that's all right. You yeah. know, I'll, I'll get mine, right? Yep. You can keep your head in the game. Well, it'll be it'll be fun to watch, guys. I appreciate a lot of you guys hanging out with us. We got we got Tuck hanging out with us, and BKJ and Chuck Fish and Andrew W and uh, No Team No Fish and all you guys that uh, that are hanging out with us today. We really appreciate you uh, being over on Bashy.tv and watching us wherever you're watching us. Don't forget to like and share because we're going to be giving away some cool waterwood baits here. Uh, just shortly, um, BK, BKJ earlier on the message board was saying that he loved your name, but he's thinking about changing his name to Greenfish because great buck, Greenfish. I thought that was funny. <laughs> uh, that is pretty cool. I, I wonder where to, where Sheila is going to wind up in Matt's world. You know, I, I think I might put it. I might name my next boat Sheila. I don't know. <laughs> you know? Why don't we? He needs that on the side of his boat yeah. for the Bass Pro Tour next year. That'd be great. No, hundred percent. Your wife might be confused. No, yeah. no, I think she's she's buddy buddy with Sheila now. No, okay. You know. I wanted to um, talk about this real quick. So, Trent Palmer from Sonar Pros, Pros won the he other won the MPFL. But did you hear that Patrick Walters came in second? And he towed him in and only lost by two ounces. Oh my gosh. No kidding. Would you do that? Yeah. Would you? Would you? Well, yes. The answer to that is yes. <laughs> if you knew uh, that, that, that you could win. Yeah. There might be one or two people that I wouldn't uh, tow in. <laughs> but, <laughs> but no, gen generally speaking, we do that for each other. But shout out to Patrick Walters, man. That yeah. is. That is tremendous sportsmanship. Mm -hmm. uh, I didn't realize that that went down. And um, congratulations to Trent, uh, you know, from the Sonar Pros, uh, built, built an amazing harness uh, that really does a nice job in getting the most out of your electronics. Um, friend of the show, we've had him on before. And, uh, man, that's awesome. He got a big, big W. 100 grand? Yeah, 100 grand. 100, 100 G's. Some money to be made over there. 
Patrick Walters is like, you know, cashing checks every time he steps in the boat over there. He's won, what, two or three of them, I think. Has he won point. that yeah. many? Wow. wow. Two, yeah. Two? Yeah, and he's top. Everyone he fishes, he's like top five. That's crazy. That's pretty good. That is. It's yeah, pretty good track record. So, um, well, well, good deal, guys. Um, like and share the feed. Rich, you got a trivia question ready I, to go for or a grand prize question? Let's just do. rename that to our grand prize question. I keep I calling it trivia. Um, yeah, today's uh, today's uh, trivia question, grand prize trivia question are uh, Matt's keys to success up on the Mississippi River. One of his keys to success was a wacky rig. He mentioned the three primary colors that he was throwing uh, at the Saint or at the at the Mississippi River. I need to know all three colors and which situations he was throwing them in. So he said, I was throwing one in this situation, the others in this situation. Wow. I need I to could, know all three. I could only remember two. <laughs> I would I would not get this question. I missed the other one. Can I win? I think I remember. <laughs> Here, write it down. We'll, we'll, we'll give you a bonus prize. Yeah, no, <laughs> need to know the colors and the applications of why he chose them. Okay. okay. Do we have a like and share winner? We Jeff? sure do. Like and share is Tucker Walney. Thanks for liking and sharing, Tucker. Thanks for watching us over on social. Guys, if you haven't signed up, it's the Blow Up Bonanza. We're giving away a cool topwater pack, prize pack for annual subscribers. And, of course, we always have a, a great opportunity to check it out if you've not been part of Bash University. Uh, $1 give you 30 days of access and check it all out. Uh, we've got some really cool stuff coming. Uh, I know we talked uh, about Shakurit's drop shot seminar. If you haven't watched it, you got to go back and watch it, um, as well as the fluke seminar. And now we have too many uh, too many pages, Josh, because I need. I told you that I was going to happen. I got to flip through twenty pages because I need giant prints. <laughs> but uh, anyway, well, we've got Salzman, one of our favorites, one of the fan favorites. Ryan Salzman uh, gives a seminar about. Pro, he calls it proficient, Riz. Being a proficient angler. And and Ryan just has an, a really awesome way of breaking stuff down, and, and he's a really excellent teacher. Um, one, the, the seminar that I'm really interested in, we filmed with, with old Bob Downey oh, uh, recently at the Minn Kota um, press event. And uh, Bob talks in, about the Nico rig, Neko, Nico. I call it Nico rig. I know it's got a couple different like names. Rapala, it's it's like Yeah, it's like that. Everybody called the West Coast guys. I'll call it Neko, the Neko thing. Anyway, I call it the Neko. I'm a huge advocate of this style of fishing, and I'm teaching Jake. Jake's getting really good at it, and I'm really interested in in uh, Bob's tr tips and techniques. Maybe there's something there that, that I haven't thought of before. Really looking forward to seeing that. All that's going to be released this week on Bashu TV. So study up. We're going to be talking about it on the next live show. There's a nice fish catch in that Bob Downey Nico rig seminar. Pretty uh pretty good stuff there. I learned a couple of things. Yeah, they were, that one. they were fishing in pretty sweet water up there. Riz, do we got a winner? We got a winner. Paulie Batters is the uh Paulie. What up, Paulie? Paulie. How's the bay fishing, bro? What, um What's the answer? The answer is black and blue. It was green, green pumpkin, green pumpkin, black and blue and purple. And it's green pumpkin when the sun was out. Yep. Purple. purple. He was rotating the purple and 
and black and blue when I didn't, uh, darker I did, conditions. I did not hear the purple. Yep. I did hear the size of the one aught super finesse hook or the one. Mm-hmm. One. The one. Number size one. one. Yeah. That was sneaky. That you is. Know, being able to get like through that, that grass. That's a good tip for the grass for sure. Yeah. That was good stuff. Guys, uh, do we have anything else? Any UFO reportings? <laughs> no. See Sasquatch recently? Not recently. Not recently. Not recently. Nothing. Um, well, guys, thanks for watching. We really appreciate you being here. Congratulations uh, to Vegas Iconelli for winning the 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 nation tournament, and uh, and Jake for for placing. Know. That was really awesome. I really I think Jake is now really excited. I think you're going to see him competing in the whole season next year he's hooked he's hooked on fishing and uh we're having a lot fun a lot of fun doing it we are going to be at uh the elites Mm -hmm. you go come by and see us for uh what do we have champlain coming up stop by and see riz at champlain and st lawrence and st lawrence i'm gonna be in new york for the last two weeks of august there's not not a bad not a bad deal you taking your boat i'm going to oh nice that'll be a good two weeks then yeah I am going to be in Thousand Islands, and I didn't realize this, but Jake's birthday is the elite tournament week. The wow. week we always go away. Uh, we're so going to we'll both be there. We'll both be there. Heck yeah. But here's the problem. Here's the problem, guys. What am I going to do? I, t- I, I don't like to fish. I don't want to be on the water yeah. while the guys are competing. Yeah. But it's my son's 14th birthday. We we vacation there every year that exact week for his birthday, and these boys got to go fish. I'm is, I don't know what to do. Is the lake in play for the elites? It is. Then just go fish anywhere other than the lake. That's what I'm. Everybody go will fish be the river. <laughs> yeah, guys, we are staying in Alex Bay. We are going to fish everything within five miles of Alex Bay. Let you guys know that straight up. Uh, that's I mean, what we're going to do. Now you got a clear conscience. He's going to have like a wig on. <laughs> <laughs> if Dude. there was one place I wouldn't be worried about it, it might be the same Lawrence because there's so many fish there. Yeah. And it's you know, so big. If you, mm. if you get around, you know, five pounders, you just got to leave. <laughs> Only yeah. catch three pounders. I don't know. Yeah. Tell that to the, <laughs> a group of 14 year olds. <laughs> you know, oh, the big one. We got to leave these. They're you too big. Make sure, make sure you bring them, bring them into the house and you fillet them. <laughs> and when the police got, don't worry, we only kept the small ones. Oh my gosh. So this might be the first vacation that Jake's going to fish probably the whole time and not want to go tubing. It, it, I know it's, it's been mostly tubing. Yeah. You know, a little bit of fishing mixed in but what what a great place to vacation and we're really, no, seriously, really be excited awesome. about you'll it be able to you'll be able to you know follow you know trail some of the guys i think we're i think, I think we're gonna go make, to i'd like to go to the weigh-in that'll on, make the trip one day. that much cooler for jake and his buddy, yeah that the, sure. that the pros are going to be out there and they're going to be fishing yeah. the same waters and, yep you know stomping all over their schools and, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it'll, be, nah, it'll be cool man oh it's i can see my face plastered with hate over everybody's <laughs> social media channel yeah he won't mind right he knows you <laughs> hey mike you mind if we fish here with you <laughs> oh man i'm gonna get darts thrown at my face it's gonna be full hate. Said black lake is very close to uh okay black lake well we may we may visit there guys we're looking forward to that thanks so much for watching uh look for new releases this week at bash tv they're amazing and we will see everybody next week at bash university live have a great day everybody thanks for having me